Good afternoon, Patriots. And it's Thursday, November 4th, 5th, 3rd. <laughs> One of those dates. I had to look quick. It's November 3rd. There you go. Just like that. It's November 3rd. Aren't you happy? It's good. Hey, um, also, after this show, every Thursday at 2 p.m., I'm over on Brighteon TV. You can see my shining face over there. And we've had people ask about those shows on Brighteon. So what's going to start happening is on Saturdays, the Brighteon TV episode will air on the standard Bards FM show. It'll be an obviously audio podcast. But every Saturday now, there'll be the Brighteon TV show will air on the Bards FM channel. So that's good. That should be pretty neat. Before we begin, make sure you're taking good care of your supplies, preps. Things are getting real. They really are. And we're starting to see a real crunch in even diesels now coming up to surface. There, And we're seeing big companies like Love's Truck Stops are warning of diesel shortages. This is no joke. That's going to affect everything. Food supplies, the mail, mail delivery, everything, but food in particular. So you want to make sure that you're well stocked up. I know everybody's been doing preps, or at least you should have been. So if you have or if you haven't, it still comes down to making sure you have some baselines in what you are set aside in case of emergency. And there's no better thing to have than baseline food storage that can last for years, like 20 years. And that's why we have Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is awesome. They're an American company, American products, and they've got three-month supplies of food, full system kits for each person. So if you go to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com, and you head over there and you take advantage of this, it's 20% off of the food system and it's free shipping and it comes in unmarked boxes. So you're not going to have to worry about your neighbors knowing what you're getting at the door or some postal guy targeting your house because suddenly you're getting food supplies when when the food gets short, they're going to be coming, like trying to take your food stuff. These are great, great systems. They've got lunch, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, and drinks. Everything you need, around 2,000 calories a day, everything you need for three months in this system. And so I would encourage you to get one for every member of the family. That's like one of the best savings you can possibly have right now. It's a 20-year shelf life. So at the end of 20 years, if everything doesn't go, if everything is good and you don't have to use it, then you can do like a camp out in your bunker and pretend it all went bad and just experience that. How's that? But in the meantime, you, you have total peace of mind. So it's good. So check it out. My Patriot Supply, where you want to go to is preparewithbards.com. Preparewithbards.com. And that's where you'll check it out and find all these great savings. 20% off, free shipping. And they ship fast and quick. I'm still trying to reflect on what I just said. <laughs> Taking a vacation for three months in a bunker. Like, what are we, what are we going to do, Mom and Dad? Well, this summer, son, we're going to go to a bunker. The bunker we'd prepared for since the world didn't end, but we want to experience what it was like anyway. And so we'll take three months and we'll go eat tuna. But, but, but what about my Patriot Supply? 
Oh, we've got that covered. That's right. We forgot about that. We can have those meals every day. (laughs) I'm telling you, it's pretty crazy. And we do have some crazy going on, as we always do. Women, I like this piece. I'm playing it for you. Men, listen up. I think it all works. This is pretty good. This is accountability. How we get accountability back to women? Opinion, the only way to do that is to get rid of birth control. I don't think it'll ever go back unless mm, that's, that's gone. An interesting point. Because yeah. that's when you see everything switch. If you look at the divorce mm. rate graph, like as soon as divorce spiked at the same time, that was when birth more women were getting on birth control. Because oh, you're taking away, because that's the thing, like society takes away the consequence for everything women do. Like we have no consequences for anything. If we sleep around, we don't get pregnant because of birth control. Even if we do get pregnant, we have abortion. Even if we do get pregnant and keep the kid, he pays child support. Mm. Even if we do get pregnant, get married, get divorced, we get alimony or child support again. Yeah. And it's like, even if if we're bad with our finances and we're homeless, there's women's shelters. Mm. Yeah, that's kind of harsh. But I didn't say it. She said it. But it's real. That's that's absolutely true. We've stripped away accountability. And when you strip away accountability, which is what the core of so much of this attack on humanity has been, is to create a society that has no accountability. No accountability. And we're going to talk about that after our prayer about something that's very difficult and it has to do with what was just on the front cover of the Atlantic newspaper or uh, magazine or New Yorker Atlantic, sorry, Atlantic, which is let's have amnesty. And of course people were like, we're not forgiving you. Well, the whole deal is, is amnesty and forgiveness are not the same, but in terms of forgiveness, We need to start putting this out here on the table to understand where I think we need to go because God asks us to forgive. He doesn't use the word amnesty. That's why we're going to get into it. Patriots, it's 11 minutes after the hour. We're going to wage some spiritual warfare. Let's go. Father, we come to you by our choice and free will, humbling ourselves before you and simply praising everything that you've done for us and what you've done in this amazing world. As crazy as it gets, Father, it is an amazing time to live, and we're grateful for that, so thank you. And we're humbled by all that has been done to bring us to this point. The sacrifice of your son to forgive us for our sins. The Just the amazing world that's been created around us in its total perfection. The, just the incredible incredible experience of living in this time to be part of such an amazing and significant moment in human history. Thank you, Father. Thank you. These times are challenging, Lord. And in this time of being challenged, we are having to face truly the deeper teachings in Christ's walk and remember truly where the problems come from. We as As we pursue truth, we have to be careful not to become what we are fighting against. We have to be careful not to let pride and arrogance corrupt our way of seeing the world or vengeance corrupting our heart. It's easy to fall into these traps, Lord. Traps that place us in a position where suddenly we can point our finger at the other and say, See, it's happening to you now. You brought that upon yourself. And so we pray for forgiveness today, Father. The heart of forgiveness, the heart of a true forgiver. 
that understands that forgiveness is not justice and it's not accountability. Forgiveness is what you ask of us. For as we forgive, we shall be forgiven. What we don't forgive, you cannot forgive within us. And we have to keep this in mind, Father, because we understand truly that justice ultimately will be before you. So we are praying today for the heart, not only of a cheerful giver, but of a faithful forgiver to truly forgive and not let these burdens weigh upon us because as they do, they seed anger and they seed hatred and they seed division and they seed a rottenness in the heart that doesn't allow us to hear your voice. Father, we pray that people can start really appreciating the magnificence and power of this walk with Jesus to be truly transformed and to repent and to become a one who forgives and one who loves. And unfortunately, in this twisted world of materialism, it's so difficult for many to appreciate those words because they align them with sexuality and they align them with consumption and material well-being and they align them in such a way as they can't seat past the physical person to realize the spiritual depth of what stands before us. So, Father, as we walk in these days, we pray as well for eyes to see, to drop the scales and to see deeply into this world with amazing discernment, to start understanding the true depth of the spiritual realm that we walk in and around and have no eyes to see. We pray to give, be given eyes as you see the world, a father who's deeply compassionate for all of his children, a father that loves endlessly, not a father that loves selectively. And sadly, Father, we are constantly putting upon you our views of humanity our ways of seeing the world, our corrupted views of our heart and trying to anthropomorphize you into us. How great your view is of us and how much greater it is of us than we have of ourselves. And it's sad because we have truly walked down into the bowels of life and this world and forgotten the magnificence of who we are and the magnificence of who you are and what you actually created. So forgive us and hear our heart of repentance as we seek that greater view of the world through your eyes, knowing that we'll never be able to have it fully. But as we pursue it, to be able to appreciate the glory of all you've created around us, to inspire the heart of forgiveness, to inspire the heart of compassion, And to be able to discern between the demonic and the dark and the true enemies of the kingdom versus those that are influenced, make mistakes, or simply have never met you. We have a good way of always pointing our finger at others. We have a great way of throwing stones at people. We do it well. And we've learned to do it magnificently with social media where we somehow put ourselves on these pious boxes, a artificial pulpit to 
preach to the world about the greatness of one over the inferiority of the other. And we are all guilty, every one of us. Some are living in that space. Others just do it on occasion. Again, Father, here are sins, here are, here are forgiveness, here are requests for repentance. Because it's not our place. You've told us to pray about everything. You've told us to love endlessly. You've told us to love our neighbor. And even that sometimes is a stretch where we live. And, and it's stunning, Father, that we do this because we're so willing to believe all of the laced, interlaced, and interwoven lies of this world. We're willing to believe in a politician. We're willing to believe in the hatefulness of politics in general. We're willing to believe in the finite and the obsessive of the material world. We're willing to even believe in stupid things like UFOs. But somehow we're not willing to give our heart fully to you and believe the words given to us, which are all so simple in the end, but so difficult to implement. Forgive, repent, and repent to be transformed, not just to repent. Love and live fearlessly in the body of Christ. We have to learn as well to walk humbly. And those are our choices. So, Father, we pray that those choices will embody us, that you can shed down and flood down your wisdom upon us. And that we will continue to seek that path, which is in part the narrow path, and to walk away from this corrupted wide path that leads to the wide gate that ultimately leads to our destruction. Guide us, Father, in these times, and we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So a couple days ago, on the front cover of the Atlantic, was the announcement of the article inside saying we need a pandemic amnesty. Now, the responses of this were pretty decisive. We talked about it on this channel. And what I didn't do is break down effectively the word amnesty because we, as it happens everywhere, the amnesty was convoluted with forgiveness. Those two are not the same. So ironically, I think that most people reacted appropriately without fully embracing the sense of what we were reacting to. So I want to go over this a bit. To begin with, there is an opportunity right now that we all have, and I believe it is a is an opportunity that's being put before us to truly forgive. And to understand this, listen carefully to what I'm going to say, please. To forgive is to release our angst, our anger, our hurt from our heart and turn it over to Father God. So to forgive one another for what was done during the two and a half, three years of COVID crazy shouldn't be a difficult step for anyone. It's walking in faith and walking with their heart in Jesus. Because that's what's been said and asked of us. We've been told to forgive. The problem is that this word gets very convoluted with the word amnesty. And that's why, in my opinion, it was strategically used in that article. Amnesty is the release from accountability. 
No one is saying that there's a release from accountability. God does not say you get released from accountability. What we are talking about here is forgiveness. And I truly say this. In this process, we have to be able to forgive in our heart those that do this. And they, in turn, if they're going to seek that walk in life, we're releasing them from the obligation, from the weight that they're putting on our heart. I don't want to deal with their stuff. I'm forgiving it. Forgiven, handed to heaven. Give it to the courts of heaven. Heaven will in, invoke judgment and justice. But here's the deal. They are going to have to seek repentance through Christ. And that is a, tra- and it's not just like the words going, oh yeah, dude, I get it. Like, no, this is a transformational moment where we lead by extending forgiveness because Father God asks us to forgive because that is where heaven steps in and says, okay, taking it off, I got it, we're going to deal with it. We're walking with it with a heart of a, of a cheerful giver and we're walking with a heart of, as we should with the authority of kingdom. But they, in turn, need to seek repentance through Christ which is to transform themselves into the, through the body of Christ and face a, a, what accountability comes. And this is where people get really confused. It's like, I've been forgiven for my sins. True, check that box. That does not mean that you've been released from accountability. And this is the problem that constantly gets convoluted around here. If you follow truly the, where God leads you, you may find all of a sudden, for example, you have repented, you've accepted Christ, that's wonderful, and then suddenly you find yourself working in the place where you may have caused hurt or pain before. I'm just using that as an example, not like that's an instruction manual, so we're clear. We have to understand these things because we're hesitating, and I, because I, I've seen way too many posts about that article on Atlantic, and I get it. Because they use the word very specifically, amnesty. Amnesty means release from accountability. Not happening. Release from accountability does not happen. And that's what they're asking for. And they're trying to manipulate the idea of forgiveness in with the word of accountability. So we have to be very clear and cognizant of the words used. We can forgive and we must forgive. But as I say it again, I forgive, but I don't forgive with the idea that there's no accountability and no justice. And repentance as the center of that, because if you don't repent through Christ and are reborn through Christ, well, guess what? There's really no accountability in heaven. Not really. There is none. Period. End of story. So I'm just encouraging us to get this really clear because these times... We have to, we have to literally be clear that, and I just read this and I'm, I'm, hang on a second, excuse me. It was right in the middle of my show. I have to shut that down. Hang on. I'm going to read this because this is dead on. And I like this comment and this comes from one of our great contributors here. We are commanded to rebuke the sinner and the sin 
And if they repent, we forgive. God has the same covenant with us. I agree, except we are also, and I'm going to add to that, and I am going to add to it, because you cannot carry the burden of someone else's sin. And if you're carrying the burden of someone else's sin, you haven't released it and forgiven it. You can rebuke it, but you have to release it and forgive it in your heart because otherwise it controls you. And if it's controlling you, you're letting their work against you weight you down. So that's, I think, you know, the comment was made as a great one. And but make sure that you're letting it go out of your heart. And this is hard, folks. I'm, I'm not even saying this is easy because we're dealing with people that have maliciously caused damage against others. And I don't know what their motive is, and I, I'm going to be honest, it doesn't matter what the motive is. The crime was done. And so we're left with this very convoluted space. And what we aren't going to be, we can't be walking around is walking around hating people. And this is where I'm, this is leading to. We can't be hating people. Rebuke the sin. Rebuke it. But at the same time, turn that pain that you're carrying over to Father God and forgive it into heaven. Turn it over to the courts of heaven. Maybe the wordings, and you may hear wordings that are different, but it's essentially we're all saying the same thing here. We have to release it from our heart. Those that sin, that have done the sin, they need to confront heaven in a repentance through the body of Christ. So I think we beat that one effectively, but I think we got it. It's important. But we are not trying to, the thing is that, and this is where I've said many times, because this is where we get into this very convoluted mess where we go, well, oh, everyone's forgiven and everybody's happy again. Uh-uh. We're not saying that because we're demanding justice. And the thing is that the, the system of justice we have is supposed to be blind and equal. This is where the next layer of problem is, is because our justice doesn't do that. We see that every day. There is accountability in, in both heaven and on earth. So the crimes that were done will face justice. They have to. But I'm not going to carry their, their weight of sin that they've done on this world on my heart. That's not happening. And I'm definitely not inviting some of these people over to for dinner. Yeah, I mean, This is going to be an awful statement. But I really mean what I'm about ready to say. You know, I'm, Jeffrey Dahmer repented at the end of his life. Now, I have no interest in hanging out. He's not alive anymore. But I, I would have no interest hanging around with Dahmer. But this is a true statement, what I'm about to say. If I was forced to have one of these people over for dinner and I had to choose between Fochi, a politician, or Dahmer, I'd probably have Dahmer at my table before I'd have any of these unrepenting fools coming near me. They were partly complicit in this crime against humanity. Though I would be very careful what, I, what Dahmer served or what I served him. <laughs> Just so I say it. <laughs> Be careful when they serve the meal. Like, um, where did you source this beef? That's what I'd like to know. Just asking. All right. Don't <laughs> question everything. So, well, Patriots, we got a lot of stuff going on. Let me um, play something for you here before we go. Um, this is insane. This is the core of the war we face because all of this is channeling towards the war on children, no matter how we do it. And that's part of what that 
Atlantic pieces. This comes from the Boston Children's Hospital. Two ads back to back you're going to get to listen to. Unbelievable. To know that they are transgender from the moment that they have any ability to express themselves. And parents will often tell us this. We have parents who tell us that their kids, they knew from the minute they were born practically. And actions like refusing to get a haircut or standing to urinate, trying to stand to urinate, refusing to stand to urinate, trying on siblings' clothing, uh, playing with the quote opposite gender toys, things like that. There is more and more a group of adolescents that we are seeing that really are coming to the realization that they might be trans or gender diverse a little bit later on in their life. So what we're seeing from them is that they always sort of knew something was maybe off and didn't have the understanding to know that they might be trans or have a different gender identity than the one they had been assigned. So that is a, a growing population that they are that we are seeing and that's being recognized as being trans and able to be a gender-affirming hysterectomy is very similar to most hysterectomies that occur. A hysterectomy itself is the removal of the uterus, the cervix, which is the opening of the uterus, and the fallopian tubes, which are attached to the sides of the uterus. Some gender-affirming hysterectomies will also include the removal of the ovaries, but that's technically a separate procedure called a bilateral oophorectomy. And not every gender-affirming hysterectomy includes that, and people who are getting gender-affirming hysterectomies do not have to have their ovaries removed. Oh, that's so exciting. These sick... Oh, I'm not even going to say it. You know what the next word would be. I'm just like biting my tongue not to scream it out. These are sick people. Sick and they're just so happy about it. Like, oh, we're just going to mutilate a child. It's fun. This sickness is what we're fighting at the end of the day. To destroy our children, God's children, which we need to be protecting. And they're doing it with happy commercials and fun music. And telling you that it's all okay. Because there's a lot of people now that are suddenly being gender confused. Every child at one point or another goes through a hormonal shift that... that unsettles, I'll just use that term, unsettles themselves in the, in the sphere of physical sexuality. And when you start bombarding them with the propaganda that they need to choose one of those and it's their opportunity to transform into whatever they want, of course they're going to be confused. There's only two genders, we know that. They're providing them a smorgasbord of choices and the children aren't getting the, the proper training either at home, and they're definitely not getting it through a church because we're even seeing churches now that are embracing transgenders because it's just a supposed emerging class. We're being convinced that this is a big group of people, and as we believe the lie, we are literally transforming children and the society around us to believe that it's a growing population. It's not. This is a minority freak population that is being mainstreamed through massive propaganda campaigns. And the reason behind it all is the multi-billion dollar industry that will be able to reset the profit margins on the hospitals that are nearly bankrupt. And of course the pro, the real benefit there, which is to destroy God's children, mutilate them, make sure they can never reproduce and that you can never have more of God's children on this earth and then in the process, open them up to all sorts of demonic influences and possession. So, yeah, it's a big win for the demonic 
force inside. Fight it. Stand against it. Speak out loudly. We need that. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. Walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue. Mission forward. I'll see you tonight for Bards FM. We have an amazing interview tonight with Ed Dowd, former senior partner with BlackRock. Awesome interview. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made. Therefore, they can be solved by man. And man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer to rest to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country.
an old evil that has waited thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.